Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Barbara Saul, classic. Open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be talking about tonight, I believe, a message for us that we as Christians have to watch out for. And it's one that tells us the spiritual danger of resisting the truth. It's true. When God is speaking to us, when God has a message for us, when the Lord wants to use you or, or do something new in your life, when you're resisting it, there's a spiritual danger to that. Because what happens is all of a sudden, that person, that opportunity, it might not come along again. That, that, that discouraging word can take a toll on your spiritual life. And we as believers have to make sure that we find ourselves being blessed by God's word and being encouraged with that. So this is, this is the scripture here by Paul in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy was uh, probably could be the last book Paul wrote. He was approaching death, he was in Rome, and he was coming to the end of his life. He is most important missionary, wrote 27% of the New Testament, and he's coming to the very end here, and he's giving us some words that we need to take to heart to live by. And God's word says here, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. That's true. Hard times. It's not, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. And look what Paul says, avoid such people. The people who commit these sins. And to really summarize that entire list, it's self-centeredness. The man, the woman, the boy or girl that believes the world revolves around them, that what they say is most important, what they do is most important, what their desires are most important, that's not how we as believers are to live. We are to live a, what we call a God-centered, Christ-centered life. Everything we do, we want to point people to Christ. You know, one of the reasons I brought Benjamin, um, I pride myself on not playing video games. I don't know if we have video. I've, I was never one of those guys that played video games. Maybe you know somebody in your house, or your grandchild, or your great-grandchildren. I am convinced it's an addiction. You find any middle or high school or child, that is what they do. And I think one of the reasons I wasn't, I came that generation that came a little bit behind me. I wasn't even good and couldn't barely figure out how the controller works. And I just couldn't, couldn't get it. But... There is a generation that is wasting their life playing video games. And you know, when you play a video game, you have nothing to show for it. It's over. You just lost two, three, four, five, six hours of your life. 
And that's time you're not getting back. And one of the reasons I want to go to this golf tournament is because Benjamin, when Sherry takes a nap, what does he do? He wants to play video games. So I'm thinking, no, we're, we're going to go golf tournament. We're going to go do something. We're going to go walk around at the course. Anything than sit around playing video games. Get out of the house. And that's important for us because if we are not intentional in our lives and also lives of our children and other folks and moving, making sure they're doing things for the Lord, being active, you will find yourself, you'll uh, just go around and it's all about you. It's a self-centered lifestyle. I've got three or four hours. What can I do? What movie can I watch? What's on TV? And God is telling us that we need to be with a purpose and an intention of using our time wisely. This is an example of people who do not use their time wisely. God gives us 70, 80 years if we're lucky here on earth, and he's looking to see what are you going to do with it. What kingdom work are the folks at Broadway Baptist Church going to be engaged in? Down there at the Barbersaw uh, Championship, I was looking, they have charity sponsors, which was good. And one of them was our Kentucky Baptist Children's Home, Sunrise Children's Service. They had a booth. I went and spoke to the guy. He's been to our church before. They had a big display of folks bringing attention to foster care and adoption. It was a great witness that they had. Thousands of people walk by and they will see that. I'm proud of Kentucky Baptists for having that witness for Sunrise. Being a positive light saying, hey, there's something more than just, just golf and just wandering around. Because there's plenty of people wandering around looking for stuff to do. Verse 6 here, for among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins, and led astray by a variety of passions. Now, in Bible times, there were maybe a lot of widows because of war. There were folks that were alone. They did not have some of the social security blankets and government options, pensions. Those things did not exist in Bible times. So it would be very easy, someone who's struggling, to be easily persuaded by someone who is worming them way in, into their home and maybe uh, directing them in the wrong direction with their life. They're being taken advantage of. That's what he's saying. Do you ever get a telemarketer? Every day people call me selling me an, um, a car warranty. Every single day. Five times a day doesn't matter which button you push, what you tell them. There is no possible way to get off their list. I've tried it all. That's what he's saying here. There's going to be folks in your life that will take advantage of you. But I want to put this in the context of what I just spoke about. I spoke about video games. It might not be some, a real human worming their way into your life. I want to tell you what it is. It's the media. Folks' lives have been hijacked because they're addicted to their phone. They're addicted to video games, to Netflix. That's their life. And it might not be a person, it's an object that's come in and hijacked. Too many Christians are sidelined instead of actively serving the Lord, engaging in godly conversations and in ministry. They are finding themselves being led astray. 
And Paul is saying, you need to watch out because there's these folks, they will lead you away. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Do you know somebody can have a PhD and know nothing? They do not know God's truth. And there's possible, just because you maybe went to an elite university, doesn't mean you know God's truth, that you don't know biblical truth. And that's what Paul's saying here. You can always just be learning, going to school after school, but are you learning what's God's truth that he has revealed in his word? This is why knowing God's word is so important. Look what it says here. We're going we're to flip over and look at these two examples. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. So we're going to talk about what on earth is Paul talking about in that verse, verse 8. So these two also resist the truth. We're about to turn in a minute to Exodus 7 and look at that. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to faith. Worthless. That's what the Bible says. Their mind has become corrupted. They don't know right from wrong. They don't know what the Lord's plan and purpose for them. For they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Janus and Jambres. Now, this, this, these are some examples of what we see here. And the examples in this passage, before we flip over to Exodus 7, I want to I go back over these, what we just looked at. He told us, he's warning us about self-centered lives. That's a dangerous sin here. He's warning us, and that's in verse 1, verse 2 there, about people who are lovers of self. And then he also goes to say, religion is a show. There's folks here, in verse 5 he made the statements, holding to a form of godliness. That means an outward sign. You look like you're godly, but you're actually denying its power. These are folks, these, aren't, these are these other people, not us, that maybe come to church for all the wrong reasons. They come to church to be seen. You, don't really, you really don't see that much like you used to. But there was once a time where public people, if you were running for office, you wanted to be seen at church. You wanted to be visible. You wanted that everybody in the community to think, He's just like me. That's what he's saying there. A, a show, a religion that's a show. And then in verse 9, Paul reminds us that, that they will not make any further progress. Meaning, evangelism to them is evil. There's no intention for these folks who think this way to spread the gospel. Why would they want to do that? They don't even believe in the gospel. They don't believe in the power of Jesus Christ. For them, uh, their, their progress is their focus on themselves. What's most important? Look at me. With that. All right, flip over a book. This is our last scripture we're going to look at this evening. Exodus chapter 7. Because these two names were mentioned here. Janus and Jambres. Who are these people? Now, if, someone, if they're listed in the Bible, we need to know what they're talking about here. God has included this in the scriptures. God is letting us know what this means. So what, what this is about is these two names, other than this passage here in 2 Timothy, are not mentioned anywhere else. So we know Paul is using what we would call 
Hebrew history, extra-biblical stories. This story he's, gonna, we're gonna, he's referencing is here in Exodus chapter 7, but the names are not there. So here, what's occurring here? We're, look here in your Bible, Exodus 7, 8 through 13. This is Moses and Aaron when they go before Pharaoh. I've been preaching on this on Sunday nights. And they're going before Pharaoh. And Moses and Aaron are saying, let, God says, let my people go. They need to go out in the wilderness and worship. And they're able to throw down Aaron's staff and he becomes a serpent. We start seeing some miracles that through the staff and through the mighty hand of Aaron and Moses that the Lord starts working. But then Pharaoh had his own magicians. He had folks that had tapped into dark or what we would call black magic. And look what it says here. Exodus 7, 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh tells you, perform a miracle, tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went in to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. That would want to make you believe what Moses and Aaron are doing. Their staff becomes a snake. But then Pharaoh called the wise men and sorcerers. So we have to say, by whose power are they working? Because it's not God's power. God's not working through these Egyptians. People in Egypt did not worship the God of the Bible. So this is demonic power. It says, the magicians of Egypt, and they also did the same thing by their occult practices. This tells us the danger of the occult is it's partially true. It works. You can tap into a satanic power, satanic influence with the occult. That's what the Egyptian sorcerers have done here, these wise men. So in Hebrew history, these two wise men are actually, these sorcerers are actually named Janus and Jambres. And that is what Paul picks up on in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He's saying these men were wicked. Even though you hear stories about them, even though they were able to perform their occult practices, you should not follow them. And I think the, I think the principles for us, and this is where I plead with you all, are there occult practices that have come into your home through the media, whether that's the internet or through television, through sports, maybe some of the books you read, they've come into your home and they are secretly, internally destroying your life. Say, Pastor, how would they do that? How would they destroy my life? I'll tell you how they would destroy your life. All of a sudden your views towards certain things begin to change. All of a sudden, when you hear about other people committing sin, you think, well, it's not that bad. You start to become sympathetic towards them. You start to relate to them. You say, well, if I was in their situation, I'm sure I would be going through this. I might do, believe the same thing. 
Well, God's Word reminds us the standard we live by is the Bible. And whenever we're um, influenced or in conversation, even watching things on TV, we're constantly having to run that through the filter. Is this true? Is this righteous? Is this holy? Is this godly? Because there's a, this form of godliness that looks powerful, but it's denying the, the power of Jesus Christ. And it's all around us. An example of this is the self-esteem, self self-help movement. If you can just make the right decisions, if you can think positive thoughts, if you can make the right choices, you'll be okay. You get healthy, you'll be better. Well, you might be healthy a little while, physically, but spiritually you're bankrupt and you're spiritually empty. And that's where the gospel comes in and changes our lives. Last verse here we see here. Each threw down, verse, verse 12, each threw down his own staff and it became a serpent. But look at this, but Aaron's staff, Aaron's staff was special. It swallowed their staffs. However, look at this, Pharaoh's heart was hard and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Even though Pharaoh witnessed Moses and Aaron's staff swallow up these other serpents, he did not listen to them. That's an example of a hard heart. God is speaking, God is convicting, but your heart is hardened towards the gospel. What do we get from this passage? There is a spiritual danger from resisting the truth. If God is speaking biblical truth in your life, if you're wavering on whether something is right or wrong, God's wanting you to know that we always make the biblical decision to choose what is right. And when we don't do that, time and time and time again, eventually you develop a hardened heart. And it's even more and more difficult. For example, in closing, if God's speaking to you, Maybe you know someone. You know, I've been so proud of our church. We've been in a lot of new faces on Sunday morning. I hope you're getting out meeting some of these folks. They're coming to Sunday school. Uh, they're all, all, you know, all sit on the back rows. I mean, that's where visitors, that's visitor land back there. So that's where you have to go if you're going to meet new folks. But it's important that you make these folks feel welcome. You're inviting them to church. I had a conversation this morning with somebody who's inviting their neighbor, and they, they came. But then she struggled to remember her name, but anyway, that's another story, but uh, she was trying to introduce me to her and work out, but anyway, be that as may, they came to church. It was a, a step in the right direction. And it's important that when God places someone in your heart that you need to share the gospel with, you need to invite the Broadway Baptist Church, maybe you need to respond to what God's doing that you actually do that because if you don't and you start saying no to the Lord over and over and over and eventually the voice of God stops and says your heart is so hard I've spoken to you 15 times about doing this and you failed to listen that was Pharaoh he had a hardened heart and that was what Paul was warning us about. Spiritual maturity is the ability to always be able to listen 
to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. What is God wanting you to do? How does God want you to respond? This morning I had a conversation with somebody who needs to join our church in the lobby after church. And they told me, I've been thinking about doing that. Now they've been here for years. I don't know if they've been thinking that long, but they're, they're thinking about it. And maybe that conversation will prompt them to respond, but that's a response they need to make. And for many other folks, they witnessed three folks getting baptized this morning. They need to follow in believers' baptism. We respond to God. That's what Paul's telling us. That's what the book of Exodus is telling us. That Moses and Aaron, their God is greater than this occult practices. Even though these Janus and Jambres' staff became a serpent, Aaron's staff ate it up to show, you know, you have no power over us. You might be able to do this by dark magic, by the power of the devil, but God is still more powerful. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to have our invitation for you to respond to God. God is speaking to you tonight. You need to respond to Him and not allow a hardened heart to develop in your life, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're not responding to the Lord. You don't hear His voice anymore. Years and years of saying no to God, all of a sudden his voice is just, it's gone silent. God, I pray for the folks here tonight. Lord, we pray we take these words. We take the importance of this about discerning your truth. About the spiritual danger of failing to listen to you. God, I pray if there's anyone, and there is, people here tonight, who they... Lord, you've spoken to them. They have, they've committed some of these sins that you warn us about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's a life that's not a God-centered life. It's a life of, of excuses, a life of, I'll get to it one day. One day never comes for a lot of folks. Lord, I pray this evening that we respond to you I pray we have the boldness and courage. Come forward and take myself or Brother Hurt's hand and make our decision public. Thank you for bringing us here to evening worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand up and sing. We'll invite you to stand up. Dave Dell's going to lead us on our piano. I'll be standing out front. Brother Hurt's right up here too. You come make your decision this evening. We'll sing Just As I Am. It's 435 if you want to sing. Just as I am. Oh, yeah. 